Welcome to the RPG Podcast. And we are live. Oh, God, Pat! Presented by Sheep. A Time Wheel Production. What's up, everyone? Robert Patton from the Robert Patton Global Podcast. I know that sounds a little bit uh, conceited or something, but we're doing it. We're doing it globally. It's real. We're talking here today with Josiah Brooks. He's one of our uh, favorite models and entertainers on the internet. And thank you so much for joining us today. Of course. Yeah, my pleasure. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's been a while since... Well, we've had one of these. We did one in person at my house. Mm-hmm. That was a lot like of fun. Last year. Yeah. yeah, that was a good time. So how, how are you doing today, sir? Doing great, man. Enjoying the long weekend, you know. Um, taking a little bit of extra time to stretch and, you know, just enjoy the freedom that I have, knowing that got some extra time. Um, so just kind of pacing myself, but still a long time, you know, like to do stuff like this and still get some important stuff done. But just, you know, just pacing myself and trying to keep those goals in mind and not get too lazy. Right. So you are like a gym. Would you call yourself a gym freak? Yeah. Um, it's almost by by default. I mean, I kind of grew up in that really culture, uh, if you will. You know, my dad was big into bodybuilding, um, you know, so I've been in and out of the gym since I was in grade school. You know, I used to walk. The gym was like three blocks from my elementary school. So I'd literally walk down and just go check my dad out. And he'd be like, oh, you Kenny's boy, Kenny's boy. And, mm-hmm. You know, grow, growing up, my friends were always like telling me how big my dad was and this and that. So, you know, I hit a certain age and I felt like my health was kind of starting to decline. And I just didn't really like who I was in the mirror. So it just kind of changed my life around and just started to uh, try to emulate that same kind of uh, iconic status that my dad had. And um, you know, just kind of uh, motivate others to to do the same and to reach their full potential. Interesting. I feel like I've seen a picture of your dad. I'm not sure though. I'd have to. I want to look now. But that's um, interesting because our fathers play such an important role uh, in our lives. As far as kind of maybe we look at them as what we don't want to be. Maybe we look at them as what we do want to be. But they're definitely there to compare ourselves. You know, um, as we grow up. I find myself being more and more like my dad. He was a good guy though, you know. So Right. No, I totally dude. know. I totally get that and I mean even you know people now they see me and they're like, "Oh, you just look they used to call me even when I was a kid to be like, "Little Kenny," you know, "Little Kenny." And and I've seen even some of my friends I haven't seen since, you know, high school. They're like, "Whoa, you're like your dad." And you know, in that aspect I do appreciate that cuz I mean he was a pretty big guy, but you know, you're always like, it's, it's funny because you have the contrast of what people see your dad as and what you see your dad as. And as I get older, I learn to fully appreciate, you know, because, you know, you have people telling you, oh, your dad's such a great guy. Your dad's such a nice guy. And I'm like, man, my dad whooped my ass last night. You know, <laughs> I'm like, you don't even know. Like, but then, you know, as I get older, I start to really, you know, respect those qualities that they see in him as a man, you know. Because I don't really look at him as that father figure that you do. But as you become a man, you start to see your father more as a man and less, you know, as your father in a way. So Yeah, totally. I don't remember yeah. the, I mean, he, my dad whooped my ass a few times, <laughs> but I deserved it for sure. Right, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And <laughs> I look back and I, I almost felt bad for him for having to do that because I was such a little shit. I was 16 the last time he gave me a spanking and he was he was crying because he felt he was like, I'm have Dang. to spank my 16 year old because he can't fucking get shit together. I had been arrested the night before. But that same night that I got arrested, I had promised him that I wouldn't get arrested again. Oh man! <laughs> and, and I was, and he's just—he's trying to have like a man-to-man like with me and talk to me some sense. And I mean, like, dude, like you're fucking up. Like, I don't want to have to, you know, punish you or whatever. I'm trying to like talk to you like a man. You're 16. Can you please not fuck up anymore? Right. And, <laughs> and I promised him, and I was being honest at the time. I don't, but you know that night my friends and i wanted to go play basketball in a gym and we had the great idea to break into the school gym just to shoot around but after you know 15 minutes of trying to get in the gym couldn't get in we decided to break into the school and you know and then did you like bust the window open or something no there was like we busted a lock you know like this chain and and then the door opened and we stole some snacks and some books and it was so pointless. You know. <laughs> That's so funny though. Yeah. These educated shot. thieves. They stole, yeah. stole some books. That's funny. Yeah, we were going to, well, the idea was that I wasn't going to have, I was going to have a set of books at school and I was going to have a set of books at home so that I didn't have to carry books back and forth. But it's funny. Very illogical, not, um, well, sixteen-year-olds logic, exactly. yeah. Yep. <laughs> Jeez, I was so dumb. But maybe that kind of helps bolt that, but like, not. I was going to say bullheadedness. So just that you can kind of do what you want to do, which is can be bad in certain degrees. But like, I feel like I've matured over time. But like, that helped me get over the hump with sheath as far as being able to do something that would otherwise like kind of seem impossible or, or do things that normal people don't do. Right. Don't yeah. No, I completely understand. And I, I think like, it's almost like you're born with a certain set of predisposed, you know, strengths and weaknesses. And basically your adolescence is figuring out how to use those in a productive yeah. way. You know what I mean? And your brain's developing. You don't understand, you know, you have talent, but you don't know why. And, you know, and it's through those, you know, mistakes and errors that you grow and you learn how to apply those towards a yeah. more productive lifestyle. So I completely agree hundred percent. Yeah. I'm glad I, and I'm glad I did it when I was younger because right. I learned like, do not do this. This is not going to get you ahead and, and it gets you nothing but behind. And now I'm, you know, the opposite instead of taking, I want to give, mm-hmm. I want to make up for a lot of those shitty decisions that I made and people that I hurt. Right. And I think, I think a lot of that has to do too, is like my mom always used to tell me, she's like, you know, your name is one of the most important things, you know, to a person really is your name. And like, you, she'd always say like, you don't want your name to be spoken ill of. And I didn't really get that. Cause you know, growing up, you're like, I don't, I don't give a crap what anyone thinks about me. But then you become an adult and you realize that, you know, the weight that your your name really does bear and it really does precede you in a lot of, you know, pursuits in your life. So I almost feel like that's kind of where that's come from, where you're like, man, like, I don't want to be Bobby the thief. You know, I want to be Bobby the X, Y, Z. So Bobby the know. bank. Yes, sir. The bank. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that's 
it is it is interesting how our, our you know especially with social media how our reputation precedes us mm -hmm. in every walk of life now you are what you post online right it cut to an extent and i'm try to portray myself in a way that is conducive for growth as as a business owner because i like to think of myself sometimes as like a comedian or whatever and i'll say off color remarks that might i think are funny and then of course uh might be offensive to whatever group especially this day and age it's so crazy right now i had this like pretty long discussion with my daughter who's in college and she's like super social justice warrior which and she <laughs> but but in a good way she's right no 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 she's a, yeah she really is yeah it really and and we have discussions and like i'm coming at it from like a kind of older generation like this is like things are doing great like getting better and like when how how it was you know back in xyz 100 years right. ago, 200 years ago or 50 years ago and like now it's it's better than it's ever been but she has just really good points and it's good to have these discussions about you know black lives matter honestly and um like uh being an ally and and to me i'm like it seems like it seems kind of you look at some people doing it and it's like they look kind of gross doing it but it is important she just keeps putting that message out to me like we have to be compassionate but yeah. like and like there's a lot of because you know like i think i think what you said an ally is is probably yeah. the best way to because it's really like you don't even have to like i mean i haven't personally gone to any protests or marches or anything but i know that you know the sentiment does bear a lot of truths and it does expose a lot of weaknesses in you know the core features of society today and you know growing up i i always was taught that by my dad like he you know you know as a young black man in the early 60s you know his parents you know went through a lot of uh, racial prejudice and discrimination and you know, he told me a lot of stories of when he was a kid and, you know, so I always grew up kind of with that mindset in play that, you know, I had to basically, you know, even though it's not fair, you know, I pretty much always had to be on my tippy toes. You have to like with, make up for a deficit or something. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, starting and, like behind. Yeah. And you have to do, I feel like you have to do extra just to be even. Well, it was like, it, it was even like, well, for my dad, like my dad, he was a city councilman. He was a pastor. He would preach on the jails on Saturday mornings. You know, he was a bodybuilder. So this, this dude wow. was like a core feature of like the community, but he was extremely well-educated, you know, got his degrees in college, you know? So it was almost like he had to, it was almost like, like growing up, I almost felt like I had to act that much more as a positive figure just to sh just to off put people's opinions of us you know that were maybe like previously they were pre thoughts they were predisposed to think so right. and he kind of and he kind of did that too he's like you know you kind of got to live up to a higher standard just to make sure that they don't see the things that they already might believe in the back of their head so damn and, you know, dude that's yeah it was heavy deep, bro. Dude, yeah that's it was he heavy yeah. 
But you so. do that, and I see that in you, and and you, I mean, because you're always like smiling, and you always look so. Thanks, bro. Appreciate that. Stylish, and you know, like, and you know, talking with my daughter, like I personally love black culture and what it brings to society, and I would like, you know, I like to emulate it because it's cool. You know, I think black people are kind of a lot of times cooler. There's a lot of white, white cool white people. There's you know brad pitt and these guys but like on average in the media you see <laughs> i know what you mean yeah, yeah yeah okay so <laughs> and and i want to kind of promote that as a kind of way for us all to come kind of together but and it gets so it can get that can turn into a negative where you're like we're still in black culture and like right. profiting out of it as a white man she brought up right eminem and and elvis presley and, and then i'm like well well, that's not good. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, there's a lot of problems with you're putting everyone in this bucket. Like they're black. So they do this, they're white. So they do that. Like mm -hmm. it's not that cut and dry at all. No, And I think, I think context really plays a bigger key in all of it because I highly doubt that when Eminem started his career, he was like, Oh, I'm gonna. I could. I could make money off of being a rapper, and I'm gonna steal this as a blah blah blah. No, he just had a passion. You know what I mean? And and you know he had talent, and he just sought to pursue it the best way he knew how. But um, as far as the Elvis thing goes, I do understand how some of that. You know, they say that from what I understand, some of his material and some of his styles was something that was previously only done you know in african-american culture and i think the outrage is more about like it was unknown till a white dude did it you know what i'm saying like i think that's more where it's like the uh cultural appropriation um debate goes it's it's it wasn't good enough when you know a person of color did it but because he was a white dude now it's like the hottest new thing and, yeah. you know, and if, and I can understand that, but like, you can be mad at that and still not be mad at the individual. You know what I mean? So like, um, you know, if I don't know, it's like the dreadlocks thing or something like, or, or stuff like that. Like I never really am like, Oh, that guy's got dreadlocks. He's trying to appropriate black culture. He's like, nah, he just thinks dreadlocks are cool, man. Like, you know, odds are, you know, someone you bump into the street, they're not really like, trying to profit off of someone else's culture. You know what I mean? Like, so it, you can just got to take it in context. Like I said. Yeah. Um, it's so, it could get crazy and I don't want to go too deep, but we're going to go a little bit deeper. That's cool. I, and, <laughs> and, but I don't, but I also don't know what to do about it other than what I said, I guess at the beginning and what I'm talking with Madison, it's just like support, but just being you know, being an ally to, and if, you know, if somebody says something that's not cool, don't just, you know let back. it slide yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and, I, and honestly i feel like that's that's the that's the most appropriate action to take like if someone's speaking from an uneducated standpoint like like i don't really agree with this term 100 but they say like to use like because i don't really i'm not 100 on board with this whole thing but they're like lately people have been talking about like using their white privilege as an advantage and stuff like that and like being held accountable and that if you do see that maybe your words hold a little bit more weight you know based on your stance and 
based on your um, roles in politics or roles in social media and so on and so forth, that if you know that your words hold more weight, you know, you are to be held a little bit more accountable. So, you know, if you see someone slamming someone, you know, publicly, you know, you got to be like, yo, man, that's not right. You know, exactly. like, you know, like I look just like you and I'm not treating that dude like that. And I think what you're doing is wrong. Like, and obviously there's cops and killings and all sorts of shit, but like the, the, the subtleness of it is what's yes. kinda, yeah. what's gross. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing too, where it's like, you know, if you are, if you are more unaware or unexposed to it, like, you do miss out on those subtleties because I'll even be with someone and, you know, I mean, and this is the other thing is it always kind of puts you on edge. Cause you're like, I mean, with me, there's like basically three demographics, like either they're staring at me cause I have tattoos. They're staring at me cause I'm in good shape or they're staring at me cause I'm black. So every time I go into like an awkward situation by default, I'm like, you know, I can't help but feel like it's cause of my skin color or, you know, a combination of all three, um, you know, to say the least. So, but it's real subtle, man. It's, it's never like, you know, calling me the N word out on the street, but it's, it's the stairs or it's the, you know, grabbing your purse a little tighter when I walk near you or, or, or like the need to feel like I have to perform at a higher standard just to prove that I'm not something that they believe. So it's, it is very subtle. And, you know, I'm at the point where it just is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't really think anything is going to change personally. And I don't really think, you know, there's anything I can do to change it except, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like be the individual, I mean, yeah, you, like, the best you can do, I mean, in my opinion is be your, your, your best self. Right. Yes, and, exactly. And, and, and teach others to be a better, better version of themselves. You know, I teach, you know, young black men, you know, how to educate themselves or, you know, how to not feed into those stereotypes or how to not take play how to not feed into that and um you know and just stuff like that and to the other people you know that do fit the other spectrum i'm like hey man you know i can be honest i can be friendly you know i can talk to you about your problems man you know and just kind of show you the unity that goes beyond skin color man and the more they're exposed to that the less they'll you know, exactly. start to think the other way. So it's just an yeah. exposure issue, honestly. So and and I agree with that as well. That's what and soon enough, because we're all kind of mixed a little bit. I'm mm-hmm. a mix, you're a mix. We're like and like it and it's just gonna keep happening. I think, you know, and, and as time goes on, we'll just be like a, the melting pot. And that maybe then we'll we'll still have our differences over ideas and differences over whatever we were, we're always going to find differences to fight about, I think religion right. or whatever it is. So, um, but that maybe if we can get that one out of the way, that'd be a good thing. Cause right, right, right. Knock, knock one out of the five off the list or something. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I mean, cause we have a great country. Um, you know, my company is doing well and what I, brought you on here for was not to talk about that but so that was it's just a hot topic but you Mm -hmm. know you are such a motivated young man and you're you're very talented and you have a great eye for style and i love what you you know what you put out on so like youtube and social but i like your music is really good how's how's that that. going 
Good, man. I, I've just been writing a lot um, lately just because of the limited ability to get into the studio, really. So um, I've, I've written about six or seven songs in the last couple of months. And uh, I actually just been doing a lot of networking right now, just um, more than anything. And just trying to, as I age, you know, I'm not like ancient, but, you know, the older I get, the more I realize the power of networking and, you know, really about the power of connections and, you know, just how to work those to your advantage. So, you know, just yeah, constantly who building. you know, that who you know thing is for real. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, it's if, insane. I mean, if you were, if you just so happened to be Drake's cousin or whatever, or, mm -hmm. or, or, you know, in that circle, it would be so much easier for your stuff oh, to yeah. be put through, but oh, yeah. there's like a, so many people are producing content now it's mm -hmm. hard to break through without yeah, man. a network so yeah uh, it's and it and it it's weird because it's people will say oh it's never been easier to just throw songs up and get plays and i'm and i understand that to an extent but i mean there's people with hundreds of thousands of plays that i've never heard of before and to be frankly honest i might not care for their mm -hmm. musical approach. You know what I'm saying? So to me, it's not even about the plays anymore. Like I'm looking at it from more of a successful standpoint. Like I want to, you know, pay my bills with it. And I want to look at it in a broader terms than just, Oh, I hit 50 K listeners on my Spotify, you know? So I'm really trying to make it more about a lifestyle where, you know, I'm constantly putting out creative content, you know, I'm constantly linking up and networking and trying to, link with other like-minded successful individuals like yourself you know and just kind of you know we we use each other you know we we see each other's um you know failures and successes and we learn from those and you know the more you can learn from the more you can succeed at a quicker rate so um but in the music aspect i've just um a lot of producers and an artist uh me and him are going to richmond in the next couple of weeks um i wrote this real cool track and He's a real big local guy, um, so hopefully that'll pop off into something. But and I know this uh, guy's like a brother to me. Uh, we've been lifting a lot, and he owns a uh, like a security like bodyguard business. But he does bodyguard work for like uh, Wale and um, Future and all these dudes. So pretty soon, man, I'll be in that circle, bro. And you know, it just takes, you know, the right track to get someone's ear and mm -hmm. hopefully get something to pop off. So we'll see. And and it, it's, it's timing. You know, we signed, signed, I don't know if you called signed, Riff Raff. We brought him on to do some collaborative, uh, that collaborative pair. You can get it at sheathunderwear.com and planetriffraff.com. But um, he, I, you know, we started working with him and I had heard his stuff and I was kind of like, okay, this is some of it's, you know, like I like tiptoeing to my Jordans, but I'll, I'll listen like half the song. And then, um, yeah, uh, Dolce and Cabana, I think that's a good song. And he has a couple of decent songs, but I was just not really, there's, I, I already listened to what I listened to. And, and as you right. get older, you kind of, you build your kind of playlist and your, library and that's if for something new to come in it's for me it's got to be over the top something yeah. at, at least it's or i gotta 
you know, run through all my stuff and be like, okay, let me see what's going on over here. And I finally started listening to a couple of his tracks and um, there's one called These Eyes, which is like this 80s song, which is totally different than his rap music, but it's Stacy's favorite song now. I really like it. And then when, when, when we did meet him, we went to his, he did like a, you know, like a concert in, in this club after we were on the bus and in, uh, he was playing these, all these songs and they were not like rap songs. And one of them is called silhouette of a pinnacle. And I remember hearing it and, and like, and it had come back when I, like six months later, like I'm kind of going through his stuff and that track came up on YouTube with these eyes and a couple of the ones point is that one was playing in my head. The silhouette of a pinnacle was playing in my head for like three days. Cause it's catchy. Right. He, he comes up with these little like the hooks that mm-hmm. are kind of pretty catchy that like maybe the, the flow isn't the, you know, the best, you know, it's not like Eminem or Drake or whatever, but it's like, he, it's good enough. Um, his lyrics, but the hooks sometimes can be really good. And anyways, this one was really good. And well, we're going to be in the video. They're shooting it on September 8th. Um, and Sheath is going to be in the video. Like there's gonna, it's, it's like an, an, it's another kind of eighties song. And I was, the fact that it was playing for three days in my head and, and then his manager kind of reached out to me. He was like, I got an idea. I was, I was thinking about putting you in a, putting Sheath in one of his uh, upcoming video. And I, I was like, well, okay, well, what's the song? And when he said silhouette of a pinnacle, yeah, yeah. That's wild. Head, I was, I was like, yes. I was like, that's was like dope. manifested. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. But, and so, but it's just sometimes give like you got to be out there long enough. He's I mean he's been out there for twenty years. Yeah. Before I finally was like, okay, let me see what. And we're sponsoring him to to just finally like give his music a chance. And then it kind of, you know some of it kind of was caught my ear. And yours was much um, quicker for me. But and, and maybe it's because I work with you and but I, I enjoy listening to it. However, it's not on my playlist, you know, like, is it, I don't even know if it's on iTunes. No, that's the thing, man. I'm so horrible about releases. <laughs> I, well, I just hoard everything. Yeah, no, but that's, I, in, I guess there's so many factors that play a role in, in that, you know, somebody yeah, finally the, getting around to checking it out. Right. Because I mean, without, without the proper funding and really the proper push, I mean, I know that you know, a track I worked on for a year or whatever, eight months. And, you know, without the proper funding and proper push, it's not going to get anything. So it's, it's almost counterproductive to release it. And, you know, I've got some friends that really like my music and they're like, when's, when's the CD? When's the CD? And I'm just so hesitant because I don't want something that I've put so much work in to get little to no feedback. You know what I mean? So I'm kind of just waiting for the right time to really idea. That's not a bad yeah, idea. So. I mean, and thank you for that video you made when you kind of gave us a little shout out. Yeah, you, man, that was a great time. I love that video. <laughs> yeah, you guys are playing like drunk on the on the uh, piano. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> and that, that hook was, was good. Did you come up with that? Yeah, hook? yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. and those it's like catchy, and 
I'm just living in a moment. <laughs> I remember you were vibing to that when I first came out. Because <laughs> that's kind of my whole deal. Like every day, that's what I'm mm-hmm. trying to get into that moment. The now, this moment right here. That's where it's at, bro. I mean, for real. Like so many people really like even they'll ask me like, are you excited for this or are you whatever? And I'm like, man, I'm just, I'm just here right now, bro. That's really a, the only truth I know is I'm here right now, you know what I'm saying? And I got a plan to do something right now. And that's all I'm going to hold myself to because, you know, I've had too many experiences about getting excited or looking forward to stuff or this and that. And, you know, it's, it's never true until you're in the moment, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's all about that present state of mind. It is. Are you? Do you know about Eckhart Tolle? I don't. He wrote The Power of Now. It's, he was like on Oprah. Fascinating philosopher of our time. He's like a Buddha of our time, if you will. And he takes, um, he'll have like a seminar, and but he writes books, and but he'll just take it over. Like people will ask him a question, and he'll sit there for like a second, and they'll just be silent. But the inner you feel this weird energy because it's nobody everyone is focused right here right now not worrying about what's going to happen later or plans for the anything no past no future this moment locked in and there's so much power in the now <laughs> yeah and, that's true yeah and he so he teaches that philosophy if anybody is having too much t- uh, like overthinking everything because we get into these repetitive thoughts and it's like a record player in your head and it's just like over and over and over and it's like okay i got it i got it but for whatever reason your brain will just keep doing that thing and he teaches methods for stopping that and just kind of stopping thought in general like you, mm-hmm. you think you think you need to think but if you stop thinking and just start and just look yeah like oh shit mm-hmm. and i wake yeah and i found um like even meditation is a good way like because i even had to do that to train myself to sleep you know i would be thinking about stuff nonstop, and i just have an overactive brain and i had to teach myself to just be like no like let that go no let that go you know and and you can do it you know and and that's the thing i feel like people fail to realize is you know there's so many different practices and um, different forms of meditation or, you know, self-enlightenment. And they all sound impossible until you learn to do it, man. And then you just do it. Like it's, it's, th- that's why no one can really explain it to another person is it's because you just do it. <laughs> so, you know, that's one of the things I'll do lately is just kind of shut my brain off and just look around and just kind of experience things going on right now. Yeah. It's called mindfulness. I mean, there's so yes. many different terms for it but you said that you were able to use meditation to help you sleep can you Mm -hmm. elaborate elaborate on that yeah so basically i just first i focus on my heart rate and you know and i'll kind of do like a head to toe and close my eyes and consciously just kind of relax every muscle and i've just trained myself to like know when i'm tight or like even I noticed like in my shoulders, I would be holding them and then like, I'd have to self-conscious or I'd have to consciously like release the muscles. And so I'll do that from head to toe, make sure that, you know, every muscle is completely released, completely relaxed. 
And then I just focus on my breathing and my heart rate and try to slow down my heart rate as much as possible. And if I start thinking about anything, I just basically refuse to think about it. Like you can just kind of discipline your mind to like reject certain thoughts and thought patterns. And um, it was really hard for a really long time. It took me years because I even experienced some traumatic uh, incidents that I had to learn to use that form of practice to just basically function on a day-to-day level. And, you know, through that and uh, medication and other things, I was able to achieve a semi-state of functionality and peace. But I mean, just, just training myself not to think and not to overthink was probably one of the greatest benefits that I've really come to discover in the last two to probably one to two years. Wow. I need to maybe come back and, and I've listened to that and, and practiced that because that is a lot of what my problem is, is my body is not relaxed. It's yeah. like it wants to move. It's like it's time to go to bed and now it wants to not stay still. It's so frustrating. But I can, I don't know. I, I mean, I take like so it's like a, t- a tincture, uh, CBDs and THC and smoke, you know, so I'll smoke weed or whatever, drink mm-hmm. some teas. And, but I need it to be just through the mind and I'm still working. And some of that. that's, yeah. And some of that stuff does heighten your, your connectivity to your muscles. Cause like, it makes it more I'm sensitive. Hi- yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, cause sometimes like if I'm high and I stretch, I, I have such better control of releasing my muscles and just, Cause they'll be so tight and I can just consciously like release them. And so like if I get high, I'll stretch for like an hour just yeah. because it's crazy. The, the brain connectivity is just so much more sensitive. Yeah. And so you're, how, how often do you work out? Every day. And, and how, for how long? A couple hours? Yeah. Like an hour and a half at least. Yeah. And how do you know, like, cause your body is very like sculpted and it looks very proportionate to what you would want it to kind of look like, you know, you don't have like too big of upper body and small lower body and all that stuff. Do you follow any sort of, you must have a program. So just through trial and error, I've kind of developed my own program. And like, um, if I know, I, I always do like a self check every couple of weeks and, um, like lately, I know not to get too deep into like terminology, but like, I noticed like, like the front part of your shoulders called your front delt and mm-hmm. just wasn't as prominent as I wanted. Cause I worked on my chest for a while and then my chest got bigger, which made my front delt look smaller. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Oh, definitely want that to be a more prominent feature. And I'll be, I'll do a side profile and I'm like, Oh, I want my triceps to be a little bit bigger. So I'll just incorporate some different lifts and kind of tailor my workout routine to, benefit me most to hitting those two specific muscle groups while still allowing me to grow in the other ones. But I mean, um, I'll just throw in a couple more things that will really focus on those, but, uh, yeah, man, just trial and error. And, um, I'm always looking up new stuff to do. I don't implement a lot of new material. I mean, it's kind of like a thing for me where if it's working, like I wouldn't stop doing it. So, you know, I continue to see, positive growth and strength so um well okay so when 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 you are lifting let's say you're trying to increase your bicep size what do you so and you're you're doing the a curl or 
I mean, whatever you're doing, like, what do you, what feeling are you kind of going for? What so that's just, you... yeah, that just takes forever. It's just your brain. It's one of those brain muscle connectivity things. So basically like the more you think about the muscle contracting, the more, I don't know if this is the right word, maybe electrons you get to fire to that muscle to activate it more. Oh. And so it's literally as it's literally strengthening the bond between your brain and that specific muscle. So that's why a lot of times you'll see people close their eyes and they think about just contracting that specific muscle. Hmm. And and that's all about just getting the brain to fire that muscle that much harder. So for me personally, um, I focus a lot on like the depth of my curls because I like to have a really high bicep peak and hmm. To do that, you really got to focus on like the depth of your curls. So I'll do like really intense uh, preacher curls and stuff like that, which allows my bicep to just completely be stretched. And and you can know that your bicep is completely stretched when your tricep can flex. Mm-hmm. And so I'll flex my so tricep. Does that at mean the your bottom. arm is completely extended at yes. that point? Okay. Yes. And you'll feel your tricep flex. And then that's when you know that it's as far as it'll go. And you can lengthen your bicep head just by doing that. Um, so, I mean, that's what I do. But besides that, I just like, um, I'll do something like that where it's really intense and like really putting a lot of strain on my bicep in a good way. And then I'll like do slow. Is it like, like, long? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Low, really, low? real slow contractions. Yeah. Like stretching really slow, you know, just tempo contractions. And then the rest of the workout, I'll just focus on like flooding that muscle with blood. So I'll just real high rep, uh, rapid, you know, slow. Like lightweight maybe? Yeah, Um, like moderate. I mean, I never really do – I never really do more than 12 reps of like anything really. mm -hmm. So usually my rep range is like 6 to 12. Mm -hmm. But it works, man. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> I, I mean, I just remember uh, the, this guy I got, that kind of got me back into working out. Not, it was a few years ago. He was, he was like, you just got to like make it, like make it burn. It doesn't matter how much weight you're using. Just kind of like, cause you can get like a 10 or 20 pound dumbbell and just kind of bounce it, you know, bounce your arm a little bit until it burns. But I don't know if if that was true or not like what's better i mean i know what he means like like because i could do that like if i because i could pick up like a 10 to 15 pound weight and do it to where like it's really difficult and that is a training technique that like um because he had huge arms he had like huge arms it was weird that's why yeah because yeah because it's like it's one of those like a, a big bodybuilder, like a foundation of like bodybuilding is like doing it until like you can't feel anymore and then like do like two to three more. Mm-hmm. So that's why a lot of those guys, they have like people assisting them is because like I've, I've done plenty of workouts where like I couldn't feel my arms, but the guy's telling me to do more and, and it sucks really bad. It really does. But that's really where you get the growth. But mm-hmm. so, I mean, with the, those low, rep weights you're able to do that but still go like a little bit further without that like if that makes sense so yeah mm-hmm. but, I but need you're pretty big man 
you're you're a pretty good sized dude though i mean you you should be able to just kind of do your thing and see some growth yeah i'm i've started getting some i have a trainer that comes once a week and he does like mma training stuff with me which just motivates me throughout the rest of the week to do other workouts but Mm -hmm. if i I had someone here like a coach everyone needs if you want to be good at something it helps to have a coach you can still do it on your own but that's one thing i'm learning in my old age which i kind of wish i had you when you're younger you always kind of think you can figure it out on your own and you can but you can do it so much you can get so much better so much faster you can do it so much yeah exactly so much faster with a mentor yeah i agree completely That like makes me think of Japanese culture and they have, you know, mentors that, is this even true? Teach, tell the kids things. We don't really have that kind of system in America where you have an adult that kind of spits it real to you or whatever, you know, like gives you right real talk about life and, and stress and dealing with. I think. I think a lot of that has to do with like love for the culture because I feel like, um, did you say Japanese? I think, yeah, I said I did. Um, like, like in Japanese culture, from what I understand, they have a very more, more of a sense of pride in who they are as a people and like more of a deep appreciation for like their culture and their responsibility to attribute to that culture. Whereas I feel like, our culture is very self-serving and, you know, yeah. me, America, meat, beer type thing, you know? So like, I feel like that's where the lapse in mentorship and like um, guidance comes from is because we're very self-centered and, you know, I, uh, there's very few people that are willing to invest their time into yeah, the embedderment of people. Yeah. yeah. I say I am, but am I really, I don't, I don't know. I, I this, I try to be a positive reinforcement or, or, or send positive messages. There's this kid that has been coming to work uh, and he just kind of does general labor around the house uh, once or twice a week with me. And, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I said to him the other day, I was like, we were just working and I was like, what you think about, you bring about. And I, you know, just trying to drop. He's like, what? You, you're like, you know what you think about, bring about. And he's just like, what? Honestly, like a left field conversation. Like he didn't, he it didn't register. He was just, like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He just, yeah, he was just like, okay. He's like, are you reading fortune cookies over there? Yeah, yeah. But you know, he that's knows funny. what I'm doing here. He knows he like the business i've given him underwear and we talked about it and i bragged about it from time to time um so he and he knows the growth kind of projection or whatever he sees what's happening but he, he doesn't really seem to care i think you know it, you, yeah certain everyone's different yeah well and i think that's an also a good point you know opposite to what i said is also, this culture of youth is very close-minded and doesn't really want to take into consideration anything that the previous generation has to offer. So, I mean, it's a double-edged sword, you know what I'm saying? A little bit. So it's 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 tough, man, because, I mean... We do I mean, have there's experience a, and, 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 and guidance and knowledge to share, but they don't want any of it because they think it's all associated with, like, an old way of doing things. And right. Like, a new way. 
Right. So we'll see what happens. I was, I was talking to my daughter. She's 19. I'm like, these, a lot of these people are going to die, you know, and like, and when you're 40, we'll see what's, what the world is like, you know, when you guys are running shit, because these guys That's tried. Yeah. <laughs> That's and, a scary thought though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's, if it goes in this way where they think they're going to create this utopia, it's, it, I, through force <laughs> it's like you're gonna force people to be kind to each other it's, okay we'll see we'll see what happens anyways right. um the, the methods we'll see we'll see i i and i mean time tells time will tell it all that's what i kind of say about like what's happening now is like there's so many snippets of stories of violence and uh, you know things and, and, and it's like okay let's i want to just you can't wait, but like I, we will see in like twenty years. Like okay, it's easy. You can always look back and be like, oh, we did. We started that war because those people wanted money for profits, not because the you know they wanted to help the Middle East. You know, right. like that. It, but at the time, I was like, we got to bring democracy to right, right, right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they well, make you believe the narrative. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And so I am reserving certain, you know, certain judgments on all of the what's happening now because I don't know what's right or wrong. You know, is this the right way to go about making change? Well, the other way wasn't working, right? So we'll see, uh, and if it's good or bad, I think it'll be. I think it'll be fine. We, we, uh, it's just as a human race, we always tend to like kind of figure it out. I think we've made it this far. Yeah, and I think that's a, I mean, like, kind of like how I was saying how, you know, you feel like you're put in almost, uh, you're put in this bubble that's projected on you by people that have false false mm-hmm. um, conceived notions about you. And at, at a certain point, you get fed up, you know what I mean? And, like, I was guilty of that. Um, there's this guy in front of us, and the dude pulled out, he was pulling out his car. And he's like backing into our car, basically. So I'm beeping, beeping the horn. And this dude was looking at me, this real old dude. And I was like, I pointed to the car, you know, I'm like, you know, it has nothing to do with you. And I'm just laying on the horn and he's just staring at me, giving me the gnarliest look. Mm. And so I pulled up the car and I'm like, yo, I was like, do you have a problem, bro? Like, cause at that point I was just fed up. Like, yeah, for and sure. He didn't have, and he didn't have nothing to say. And you know, my girlfriend's like, why would you do that? Da, 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 da. And I'm like, you know what? Like at a certain point, man, you just get fed up. And like at that point, I just was fed up. And I feel like it's just kind of at that point in time where, um, you know, you get pushed to a certain extent and whether it's wrong or right, you're just kind of fed up, man. And so that's where I do kind of have the empathy and stuff on the one side and it's just so it's such a multifaceted situation because oh, yeah. sometimes they'll think that people are in it for the race. And then like, I, like there were so many people on uh, social media that I thought were more about it for the race perspective. And then those white kids got shot and they were like, good, they should have gotten shot. And I was like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. <laughs> like, I thought that was your boy. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's sad, but I was like, it was almost refreshing that they were like, glad that a white guy got shot for once instead of always being like that black guy deserved to die you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. so like it, it made me think about it. i was like oh maybe they're not 
really as about race as I thought they were, but it just kind of like threw me for a loop because I was so used to them always cheering for the other guy because he looked different. So when they looked the same and they were still happy, I was kind of shook, but it was sad to say that it was refreshing. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, no, yeah. It's like, thank God it was a white guy this time and not a, you know, cause we don't, we don't want any more young well, black men getting well, shot. Well, yeah. And like, well, like every, every time the black dude would get shot to be like, he deserved it. What did he do? And I was like, oh, dang. Right, yeah. And I was like, dang, you really like are all about that. And then it was a white guy and they're like, good. He shouldn't have been do, do, do. And I'm like, oh, so like, that is kind of fair. So like, uh, I don't really know what to think anymore because you have a valid point. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it was yeah. like up until then they had only been black. So I assumed that they were just doing it because it was black and then it was a white dude and they still held the same stance. I was like, oh, I was like, I guess that's kind of fair. I don't know. <laughs> right. it, like made me have to think about it. I was like, dang. Yeah. And that's uh, why I, the whole reserving judgment that's like the more subtle thing is something I don't, I don't know how you can fix it other than by letting them die off. You know? <laughs> Give it 10 years. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think it's that exposure thing, really. I mean, I think that, I don't know. I, th- I think, and it's self accountability, really. I mean, like, like being self aware enough to be like, man, that guy was upset. Like, why did he think I was so upset? But like, yeah, I just, totally. I just, I, I just don't think people are self aware, man. Like honestly, and they're not, open to putting themselves in check, you know, and I've had to do that lately with, you know, my pride and trying to be more humble and just learning about, you know, why am I feeling like this? Why am I letting this bother me? Just putting myself in check, man. It's just real. It's just really self accountability. And um, until you really have that conversation with yourself and understand where you're coming from, I think that it's impossible to, you know, talk about where other people are coming from or justify someone else's actions. So it just starts, starts with you, man, you know, starts with the conversation with yourself. That's so, so very true. We all need to look within and we're all so quick to like blame other, blame something outside or, you know, look for an enemy, whatever. It's like, look at yourself and Mm -hmm. people are not I don't, I, I, I'd be surprised. I don't know, like how many people actually have done that or, or have gone their whole life having never done that and died, you know, and that everything was, they're always a victim and they're always, uh, you know, just, or they always thought they were right. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. It's like, odds and, are you probably weren't right every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I imagine a lot of people go through life like that and I don't know how happy that would be because you're there's i would imagine you you think you're right all the way up into failure and then still think you're right because you're a victim because somebody else held you down or whatever and not held you down but just you know whatever um where am i just but never looking within to be like can i do something differently to make a, a you know change and and I'm just and I'm I'm talking about like just everyday individual the man like a a person just any person in pretty much in America though because I can't really speak for other countries and and the opportunities they might have here or even the education you know like these types of just thought processes of like in Buddhist or whatever, they teach these types of things like self-reflection. They don't fucking teach that here. You have to look after the fact to find that kind of stuff. 
Right, which is sad. Yeah, it should be taught in schools, I feel like self reflection, like check your, you know, your, why am I angry? Like, what's, what just happened? What triggered me? Or, you know, like that don't even have the second, they just react, you know? And I think a lot of that is they're using that as a secondary measure instead of like a preventative measure. So, I mean, those are the techniques you're being taught in your, you know, psychiatry, um, appointments and stuff like that, or you're seeing specialists, but it's, Mm -hmm. you know, if it was taught at a medium level as a preventative measure, odds are you wouldn't have to seek professional help down the road. Visualizations and stuff, you know, just Mm kind of like all these just never giving up and, um, you know, find, you know, even just finding out what, what it is that you want to do instead of just being told like, well, this is going to be a profitable career for you. If, if you go down this career path, because whatever they you know, they need personnel in the medical field now, but that's not your passion, but you do it just for the money. It's like, you didn't even live out your dream. You just wanted, you're just kind of like surviving or something. And yeah, we all have to sad. do that though. I mean, I was doing that to a certain extent. Yeah. I mean, I mean, until you come to that self-realization, I mean, and that really comes from looking within, like you're saying. So, agreed. That's, that's the key point here. We all need to do is, um, and I need to do more meditation because I've been so busy lately that I, you know, just I, I don't i don't have time to take five minutes or 10 minutes and just breathe uh, although i do do a lot of breathing i've been doing a lot of wim hof breathing techniques have you gotten into that at all is that the the nose breathing stuff he he's called the ice man he's been on rogan he's been on tim ferris he's been on vice v-i-c-e news and he does these incredible feats of uh, strength or, or um, physical endurance that he attributes to his breathing techniques. And um, I, all I, I, what I like about it is I almost get like this DMT kind of burst in my brain, like this, just a little, and it's so after you do the breathing technique and, and it, you're just like, Okay, nothing else matters right now. I'm good. There's no stress. What do we got to do now? And and I get and I did it right before we started the podcast. I've also been doing uh, like cold baths slash cold showers to just increase energy and increase resistance to stress. That um, you have you ever done like cold baths or showers? Yeah, ice baths are great. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I hate you. It's like a love hate thing though. Yeah, it is. Well, as soon as I'm in, I'm in, but like the 10 seconds where I'm like sinking in, I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. That I have, I'm not, I'm not in the ice level yet, but we're, I'm just doing like, I've done a little bit of ice, but mostly it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. It's cold water. It's just all cold. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's all freezing. Especially Colorado water is I, I i tend to think it's a little extra cold being up in the mountains but it's i pressure I, too it's so nice and i'm i'm finding what's the benefit i'm finding i'm not sure i can 
more energy, more focus. Oh well, yeah, and, uh, it takes away all the inflammation out of your body. Yeah. Oh yeah, less yeah. less. Um, I was taking Advil at, like every night when to go to bed because I just had like back pain, and none of that for like months now. So yeah, that's great. That's incredible. Yes, and that's we. That's what I'm doing right now to improve myself is just, you know, cause I, and also I feel like as people, humans that have made it this far in on earth, all of our ancestors had to bust their ass all the way up until like a hundred years ago or whatever, a couple hundred years ago, like our bodies are meant to bust their fucking ass. And I don't feel mm-hmm. like I don't do that every day. You know, I don't put my body through enough stress I, I don't know what it is that, uh, you know, but I feel like it's my life is a little bit too easy and I need to put myself through some stress. So, well, yeah, they were um, doing research on um, like the benefits of like not wearing shoes because there was some, I can't remember, it was some tribe, but I mean, dude, they would walk like, I don't know, something crazy, like 10, 15 miles a day and never had shoes and all this and that, but they never experienced like, any of the back pain we have, they never experienced the, anything and they're carrying, you know, all that stuff on their head and wow. you know, 30 pounds on their head for 10 miles. And that back pain is nothing to them. You know, Jeez. like they don't have the problems we have because, you know, they're not, we're not constantly under that rigorous, you know, physical activity, you know? So we just let our bodies sit and they just deteriorate. Mm-hmm. But it was just, it was just crazy to hear it. Like, I was like, Oh, yeah, maybe I should. I'm like a. I have like a shoe fetish, so maybe I should <laughs> wear less shoes. You know. So it might help. It might help because that is a back. I do have a pretty serious back issues, but I need to just do more yoga and work out some more. I think that just built building up the muscle around the spine maybe is also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I like to ask this and I'm kind of stealing this from Michael Malice, but what was your favorite part of this conversation? Um, just the opportunity to express my perspective on, on some real important issues and just uh, being able to be genuine and I don't know, have a safe place to, you know, without, uh, without worrying about someone being closed minded, you know, the open mindedness and, you know, the sincerity that you portray is, very very respectable and i do appreciate you i appreciate you man you're welcome i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) his his podcast is called you're welcome anyways i love michael malice shout out to michael malice part of the problem another podcast to listen to and they he retweeted one of one of my this podcast which got us a few more listeners than we were getting which is pretty cool good stuff yeah man well, because I listened to one of them. I, I never listened to them, and I listened to one, and I, I was like, I don't hate this, and I tweeted that because it was okay. I was like, this is bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's mad funny. <laughs> I don't not not like it. <laughs> yeah. Where can people find you? Um, Josiah Brooks Official for the Instagram, Side the Artist, SoundCloud, and of course, you can find me on the Sheath page. Yeah, yeah. My favorite. Support my favorite lifestyle underwear. Always, always Dude. wearing my sheath nonstop. You are a great, great representative. You're like taking over our pages, but and, uh, <laughs> you've earned it, and we appreciate you supporting For us. Sure, man. It's a great so, product, man. I believe in it. 
Thank you guys. Thank you guys.